So I wonder what you were thinking when Paulina read that. Maybe a little bit, how do we get our head round some of these words, some of these ideas? This is the second in our series on the book of Romans, on the letter of Paul to the Christians in Rome. And we're going through this during Lent. It seemed right to wrestle with uh, some of these uh, tremendous ideas uh, that are there in this book during this period of Lent. Justified by God's grace as a gift, something to be received by faith. Justified. Not language that we're always using, although perhaps some of you, when you uh, get into your laptops each day, you see something there, do you, that says, what kind of format do you want to have? Do you want to have justified format? That's one option. Or I was thinking back to when I worked in human resources before I came into ministry, and uh, I was involved in a lot of negotiation, trying to do some deals uh, with uh, the management and, uh, and the workforce. And sometimes my boss would say to me, okay, you're talking about this deal, but how can we justify it? And sometimes there was a kind of feeling, can we really justify it? And have you gone out on a limb now? And are you going to collapse because you're out on a limb too far? So to justify, what he was really meaning was, how do you convince me that this is right? Yeah? So there's an idea in the word justify or justification of something that is right. And the language that we're talking about uh, when we read through Romans is this language of being made right, being made right with God. And it's been a huge issue uh, in the human story and in the Christian story. It's, it's a really, really central thing, isn't it? How do we get into our right relationship, the right relationship with God? And there's a lot of thinking around which says, well, do what you can. Do the best you can. Be the best kind of person that you can. And you'll find something of that in all religions, actually. But what Paul is saying here is something really different to that. It's not that it's wrong to try to be a good person, but did you notice some of those phrases that Paul is using? Everyone has sinned and fallen short. So it's the clean hands thing, isn't it? However much you try, actually there's things that are not totally clean. And so, first of all, there's what seems like a little bit of bad news here, or maybe a lot of bad news, to say, no, it's not by doing as much as we can, because we'll never reach that standard. And there was someone in the story of the church who wrestled a lot with this. And here we're going back to the 16th century in Germany and to a man called Martin Luther. And Martin Luther was somebody who was really, really serious about this whole issue. He wanted to be the best kind of person that he could be. He was in a monastery. He was doing everything that he could to try to be as good as he could. And the question was this question. How can I be right with God? This is the question. He was reading through Romans, through these 
bits that we've been reading and will be reading. And the, the question kept coming into his mind. How can I be right with God? And he was getting very depressed about this. And then he talks about how he had an experience. He says, I was in my tower and in my heated room. He tells us quite a lot about this experience. And um, I visited where this happened because I wanted to see and get the atmosphere. And this is where he was in Wittenberg in Germany. And he said, I realized something then. It was like, ah, one of these aha moments that he talked about. He said, I realized this righteousness of God that I was reading about. God is righteous. God is absolutely just. That seemed to me to be the problem. I wasn't like that. God was like that. I wasn't like that. But then he said, I realized this is actually a gift that God wants to give. This grace of God, this love of God is wanting to give us a gift. And that gift is to be right with him. That's the gift. So he said, wow, this changed my whole way of thinking. And out of this came many, many different um, changes in the church. Uh, there were people around Luther who were actually trying to buy salvation. And uh, Luther got very angry about this. He said, we can't buy it. We can't do anything for it. It is a gift. He was also very angry because people were paying money and then that money was going to Rome. And uh, I was thinking about this, you know, those currency movements in Europe were going on then, just like they are today. And he didn't want all this money going out because anyway, it was for the wrong reason. He said, we don't get salvation by what we do, by what we give, by what we pay. So how did he come to all these views? Well, he came uh, in his church in Wittenberg uh, through, he said, this process, my conscience became captive to the word of God. And that's why we're looking at Romans, because it's part of the word of God, and we're wanting to wrestle with that and to see what it says to us here in Camborne in the 21st century. And what he found was that this was a liberating message. This was really freeing. And this message spread. And actually, all of our traditions that are here in Camborne, because we're a, a multi-denominational church, all of our traditions actually owe something to this 16th century experience of Martin Luther in different ways. And I think this was a tremendous insight. This was really, really huge, and it's still huge for us today. But some people have tried to find other images uh, to, to try to help people. And one of the images which I think maybe you've heard, and I'm not sure this is the best image, but I'll speak about it for a moment, uh, is the image of the courtroom. So when people are trying to say, how do you get right with God? They picture the idea of somebody in a court who might be pronounced guilty because they've done something wrong. But actually the judge says, no, you are acquitted. Okay, you see the picture that uh, this person then goes out being told, you're okay, you're, you're right. Now, there may be some help in that image, but I think the problem with that image is that the person can go out of that, but what are they going out into? They could be going out just solitary. A judge has said something, you're right, but then they're just on their own. 
And the image in the Bible and in the reading that we've read that uh, comes to us from Paul's letter is not a solitary. It's not like only me that needs to be put right. I'm going to be brought into a community through being put right. And this is the whole story that Paul talks about Abraham and the promise to Abraham. You're going to be a nation. And actually, you're going to embrace in your descendants the Jews and the Gentiles. This is a huge thing. So being put right with God is never just about me, as if I go out and do it on my own. It's about us. We are in a new relationship. I am in a new relationship, sure, with God, if I accept this gift. But we together are part of a community where this newness can be found. And one of the people who then later rediscovered this uh, was this man. And uh, his name is John Wesley in the 18th century. So we're, we're leaping from that experience of Luther in the 16th century to the 18th century. And here we have John Wesley. And John Wesley had got his beliefs sorted out. He was actually an Anglican priest. So he knew what he believed. And he was very committed. But there was something wrong or something missing, probably would be the right way to say it. And this happened to him uh, in a place in London called Aldersgate Street. Uh, And he described this experience. He said, I felt that I trusted in Christ alone for salvation. He was in a meeting. And the interesting link with what I said about Luther was they were reading from Luther in this meeting. They were reading from Luther on Romans. So, are you still with me? Is this... Okay, Uh, and uh, here was this man went into this meeting in Aldersgate Street. It's actually where I started work. My very first job uh, was in this part of London. So it was a rather boring job at times, but when I thought about Wesley, I got excited. When I looked out, there was a plaque uh, about his experience. So there we are, he's in this meeting, and uh, he says, we were about uh, halfway through the meeting, it was about quarter to nine, and he said... I felt my heart strangely warmed in this meeting. And he said, then I felt that I trusted in Christ alone for salvation. And assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. You can see some of the language is the, is the language of Paul. Uh, here's somebody who's trying to do what he can, trying to believe, but then something extra happens. He feels this relationship with God in a new way. And he said, then I spoke to the others about how I felt in my heart. And out of John Wesley's experience in the 18th century came the Methodist Church. And we're part of that here in Camborne. So we're drawing from these resources of Christian insight and Christian experience. And I find that very exciting. Let's go to our last person uh, in the 20th century, uh, Karl Barth. Uh, Of course, all these people started out young, but I like to occasionally see a picture of somebody who's older. It comforts me a little bit uh, to think that somebody can still have something to offer, uh, even at an advanced age. So there's Karl Barth, and uh, Karl Barth was a theologian in the 20th century, again went back to the book of Romans and said, what does this have to say to us in this different situation that we're facing with the great evils such as the Nazis? Uh, He was German, and he spoke out against this kind of evil. And he said this, Although I'm discovering God's grace, 
It must be expressed in life. We must do something about this. It's not enough to think, ah, trust. Trust is is fantastic. I can can sit on a chair. I can trust that the chair is going to hold me up, can't I? You know, great to have trust. I think I'll just live the rest of my life sitting on this chair, trusting. But that's not what Bart was saying. Bart says, if you have really experienced the power of this grace, if your relationship with God has been transformed, what does this have to say about your relationship with other people in the church or your relationship with the world? Something has to be done in life because of the power of this grace. And so that's what Bart and others began to do, to struggle with this, to say, Of course, God is a God of grace, but there are things that he is against. Peter spoke about this last week. He's against those things because of his love. Because his love is holy. He doesn't want lots of evil to take over the world. God's holy love, his grace that wants to change things. That's the business that we're in. And so, what we need to take with us from this passage this justification by grace is this is God who wants to embrace people. It's not that God's reluctant. And sometimes we even misunderstand what Jesus did on the cross. Have you ever heard a kind of idea that actually it was Jesus who changed God's mind about people? You know, that that God's holiness means there's a barrier between us and God and So it's Jesus who comes in and changes God's mind. That's not what it's about. All that was happening through the cross, through Jesus coming, through his redemption, through his work to save us, all of that flows out of this grace. All of that's designed to draw us in so that we might be forgiven. And so Paul's very, very adamant about this. Go back to the whole story. Those of you who are reading through the Bible... Actually, all this Old Testament stuff, it's not about how can we be good enough. It's about what God is doing. God is doing fantastic things, powerful things, life-changing things in the Old Testament, same as in the New Testament. So all of this story is there for us to engage with. And so this morning, what are we into when we're into this passage? What are we into when we're into this grace of God, into this justification. We're into something that is about the whole of our lives. It's not just a bit of belief here and there. It's not just for this hour or so on a Sunday. It is a transforming thing. Abraham, as we go back into that Old Testament story, and Paul takes us back there, Abraham was made right by faith. He trusted God. God said to him, This is what you're supposed to do, Abraham. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to do it? And Abraham trusted and did it. So it's wonderful to have this message of acceptance, that we don't have to work, we don't have to be uh, good enough. We simply receive. But in receiving, there's a call to us. A call to us to be disciples of Jesus A call to us if we've received the forgiveness. And at the end of the passage, it says, uh, Paul's quoting, how blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven. 
Today, if we've received Jesus, that's us. Our sins are forgiven. But the blessing is a powerful one that sends us into the world this week, into our different callings, and into all the f- that God has for us here in Camborne in the future. This powerful love, this transforming grace, it's so deep, it's so profound, it's so powerful, that throughout history, as I've tried to show you, uh, it has changed lives, changed communities, and changed the story of humankind.